Hello, this is David Wilcoxon, and this is part two of the explanation of the timeline of the 70 weeks of Daniel 9 prophecy. In part one of the timeline, I show why the 70-week prophecy is broken into three parts, seven weeks, 62 weeks, and one week. This helps us align the starting year with the year of Jubilee cycle, as the seven weeks that start the prophecy point to a 49-year Jubilee cycle. So the first year of the 490-year 10 Jubilee Cycles prophecy was a year of Jubilee, marking the Jews' release to rebuild the city. So let's talk about what year makes the most sense to start the prophecy for Messiah to carry out his ministry, for his death in the middle of the seven years, and to the end of the 490-year prophecy. People who teach that the seventh week of Daniel 9 is yet to be fulfilled give starting points that seem to support their belief. Some people point to Cyrus's command as verses declare that he will rebuild the temple. But Daniel 9.25 proclaims that the command is about rebuilding Jerusalem, not to the temple. The decree from Cyrus happened in 536 BC, which is way too early to align with Messiah appearing after 69 weeks, as the 70th week would occur from 53 to 47 BC. In 520 BC, Darius I issued a decree to continue building the temple, but again, it was about the temple and not the city of Jerusalem. And this command happened too early to align with Messiah appearing in the 70th week as it would project the 70th week as taking place from 37 to 31 BC. Some say that the command was by Artaxerxes in 444 or 445 BC, which initially projects the end of the 69th week in the year 40 AD, which is too late for the year of Messiah's death. So they proclaim that the Jewish 360-day year applies instead of using 365 days, which shortens the 490-year prophecy by seven years, putting the year of the end of the 69th week at 33 AD. So that seems to fit on the surface. The problem with that explanation is that it makes a 490-year prophecy a 483-year prophecy, because it's removing seven years, which is nonsensical, as it ruins the 10, 49-year jubilee cycles of the prophecy. And it's just a contrived narrative to try to justify a futuristic 70th week of Daniel, which this prophecy fulfillment series will disprove. Many scholars point to 31 AD as the year of Messiah's death. So his death occurred in the middle of the seven years, which we see in Daniel 9.27, because it tells us that his death ended the need for temple sacrifices. So we can work backward from 31 AD, which marks the middle of the seven years, to see that the seventh week began in 27 AD. I'll show you a Bible Hub timeline of events. The years are approximate, but it gives us a timeline to work with, sometimes varying by a year. So here it shows 26 AD, the baptism of Jesus. 27 AD, the temptation of Jesus. 27 AD, Jesus calls his first disciples. So from 27 AD, we can subtract 483 years of the 69 previous weeks to land at 457 BC. And here's the Bible Hub timeline of events regarding commands from Artaxerxes to Ezra, which took place in 457 BC. So again, we see Ezra 7 pointing to Ezra being commissioned by Artaxerxes. We see in Ezra 8, families returning to Jerusalem with Ezra. Ezra 9, Ezra reforms. Ezra 10, Ezra prayer about intermarriage. Nehemiah 1, Nehemiah's prayer for the exiles. Nehemiah 2, Artaxerxes sends Nehemiah to Jerusalem. So all that is beginning in 458, 457 BC. 
So in 457 BC, Artaxerxes I issued a decree to Ezra. The recorded years can vary as the scriptural calendar differs from the pagan calendar. Some say 458 BC, others say 457 BC. Note that Daniel 9.25 points to Jerusalem being built, and it focuses on the city's streets and walls. It says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The city shall be built again and the wall, even in troublous times. So we're looking for a command to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, which would include building the streets and the wall and that there would be troublous times during the rebuilding. The book of 1st Ezra appears in the Septuagint as an expanded book of Ezra, containing four additional chapters. It was removed from the scriptural canon, perhaps to hide that it validates the starting point of the prophecy. Ezra 7, 11-26 documents the general instructions given by Artaxerxes I to the Jews in 457 BC. The city's rebuilding took place when the narrative of 1 Ezra 2, 17-19 is given, in which a council of men pleaded with Artaxerxes to stop the rebuilding of Jerusalem. It says to King Artaxerxes, our Lord, from your servants, Rathamus the recorder, Samilius the scribe, and the rest of their council, and the judge who are in Colossaria and Phoenicia. Now let it be known to our Lord the King that the Jews have come up from you, to us, having come up to Jerusalem, are building that rebellious and wicked city, and are repairing its marketplaces and walls, and are laying the foundation of a temple. Now if this city is built, and its walls are furnished, they will not only refuse to give tribute, but will stand up against kings. So that is confirmation that the instructions in Ezra 7, 11-26 were the command to rebuild the city, because First Ezra 2 declares that the Jews were sent to rebuild the city and the walls. So now we have confirmation that 457 BC is the proper starting point. Artaxerxes responded to the council in 1 Ezra 2, 26-30, declaring that cavalry and many people would hinder the builders. So remember what Daniel 9.25 says. It was about a command to rebuild the city. And it said the street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. So here's troublous times. Says, I have read the letter which you have sent me, therefore I commanded to make search. And it has been found that the city of old time has fought against kings, and the men were given to rebellion and war in it. And that mighty and fierce kings were in Jerusalem, who reigned and exacted tribute in Colossaria and Phoenicia. Now therefore I have commanded to prevent those men from building the city, and heed to be taken that there be nothing done contrary to this order, and that those wicked doings proceed no further, to the annoyance of kings. Then King Artaxerxes, his letters being read, Rathamus and Similius, the scribe, and the rest of their associates, went in haste to Jerusalem with cavalry and a multitude of people in battle array, and began to hinder the buildings. So the building of the temple in Jerusalem ceased until the second year of the reign of King Darius of the Persians. After the rebuilding of Jerusalem was stopped, Darius II gave instructions to recommend the restart of the building of the city, which had begun by the command of Artaxerxes I. Then King Darius stood up, kissed him, Zorobabel, and wrote letters for him to all the treasurers and governors and captains and local governors, that they should safely bring on their way both him and those who would go up with him to build Jerusalem. He wrote also to give them their support and the priest's vestment in which they minister. For the Levites he wrote that their support should be given them until the day that the house was finished and Jerusalem built up. He commanded that land and wages should be given to all who guarded the city. 
He also sent away all the vessels from Babylon that Cyrus had set apart, and all that Cyrus had given in commandment. He commanded also to be done, and to be sent to Jerusalem. The narrative of Ezra and Nehemiah 4.16 record the rebuilding process, which took place during the 49 years from 457 to 408 B.C. So a 457 B.C. starting year projects the 70th week as taking place from 27 to 34 A.D. Note that there is no year zero, so you add one year to these calculations. Now that we see when the 70th week is projected to be fulfilled, let's see how the year of Messiah's birth, this ministry starting year, sacrifice for our sins, and the death of Stephen align with the seven years of the 70th week. Priests officially entered service at age 30 per Numbers 4.3. Saul became king when he was 30 years old. David became king when he was 30 years old. Ezekiel was called by God as a prophet at age 30. Our high priest and king started his ministry at age 30 per Luke 3.21-23. Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli. So at age 30, Messiah started his ministry. This is what the seventh week of Daniel 9 is pointing to. If Messiah started his ministry at age 30 in 27 AD, then that projects back to a birth year of 4 BC, right on time, as he had to be born before Herod the Great died. Regarding the 27 AD starting year, we can read the narrative of the book of John to validate Messiah's multi-year ministry as it declares when he went up to Jerusalem for Passover. We see him attend Passover towards the beginning of his ministry in John 2. Then in John 6, we see him attend another Passover. John 7 points to the Feast of Tabernacles and John 11 points to the final Passover. That's at least two years in length, and some proclaim that John 5 describes another Passover, which would confirm a three-year ministry. People like Michael Rood declare that the Bible has patterns, implying that the 70-week prophecy points to 490 years, but also to a 490-day ministry of Messiah, which is one in a third years. So then they set about to prove that theory, which causes them to push aside the overall narrative and even scripture. People say that the reference in John 5 is not to Passover, and the reference in John 6 is not accurate as one Greek manuscript doesn't include it. But one manuscript doesn't invalidate the other manuscripts that do include it. The 70 weeks of Daniel 9 prophecy is about extending mercy and forgiveness to the Jews, which was carried out during the seven years of the 70th week, when the gospel of the kingdom was proclaimed to the Jews. By default, it makes sense that the gospel would be preached to them during all seven years of the 70th week. And when we look at John's declaration at the end of his gospel, we see that there's much more to the story of Messiah's ministry. It says, And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. So it makes sense that Messiah's ministry was three years, and then John the Baptist preceded that by six months. So we have the first half of the seventh week of Daniel 9, and the gospel and repentance in the kingdom was preached to the Jews. So what do the great theologians of the 16th through 19th century say about the length of Messiah's ministry? 
John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible says, The evangelist John is the only writer that gives an account of the Passovers after Christ entered on his public ministry, by which is known the duration of it, which is generally thought to be about three and a half years. Matthew Poole's commentary on the Holy Bible says, None of the other evangelists make mention of more than one Passover between the time of Christ's baptism and death. John plainly mentions three. One here, referring to John 2, another in John 6, 4, the last, John 18, 39, and some think that he mentions another, though more obscurely, in John 5. Our Lord was at them all. Messiah's parable of the fig tree in Luke 13, 6-9 seems to allude to his ministry, which would last three years. A fig tree should bear fruit after three years, which is why it is an excellent reference for how the Jewish leaders should have responded to Messiah's ministry, as he performed miracles, had much wisdom, spoke the Hebrew letters, and they could find no sin in him. At the start of Messiah's ministry, he entered the temple and cleansed it, and at the end, he repeated this cleansing. The Jewish leaders bore no fruit during Messiah's multi-year ministry, yet he gave them more time to believe in him after his crucifixion, resurrection, appearance to many, and ascension. And some of the Jewish leaders did believe after these events as Messiah's disciples proclaimed the gospel to the Jews during the latter half of the seven years of the 70th week. 3,000 believed on the day of Pentecost, and more were added daily. And this voids the argument that the 70th week of Daniel 9 is yet to be fulfilled because the Jews did not accept Messiah. Messiah's ecclesia, his church, is built on the foundation of believers from the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Messiah came to fulfill the promises to the house of Israel in Isaiah 9, 1-2, made before the Assyrians scattered them. It says, Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, in Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light, that they dwell in the land of the shadow of death. Upon them hath the light shine. So it speaks in present tense, but it's pointing to Messiah. The rest of the narrative in Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end, upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So there's the promise to the house of Israel. Messiah 4, 13-17 gives us the narrative. It says, And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast, in the borders of Zebulun and of Talim, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light has sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So you see this narrative, and you see that Messiah is coming to fulfill the promises that are made to the forefathers. He's fulfilling the promise of the house of Israel. And you realize that the 70th week of Daniel is not just about Messiah coming to die, but it's about his ministry. Matthew 10, 5-7 says, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not in the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew fifteen twenty four says, 
But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Messiah ministered in Bethsaida, Julius, Caesarea, Philippi, Cana, Capernaum, Chorazin, the Decapolis, Genesaret, Jericho, Nain, Nazareth, Perea, the region of the Gerardines, Samaria, Sidon, Sychar, and Tyre, where those of the house of Israel had regathered. Messiah confirmed that he was the promised Messiah through his many miracles, his wise teachings, and his knowledge of the Hebrew letters. Messiah lamented the fate of the unbelieving Jews, whose city, temple, and nation were desolated in one generation in 70 AD. In Luke 19, 42-44, Messiah is saying, Thou had known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the days which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hidden from thine eyes, for the day shall come upon thee, that thy enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee around, and keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon the other, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Messiah declares that they should have understood the seventy weeks of Daniel 9 prophecy to understand the timing of his appearance and ministry. Because the Jewish leaders didn't understand and delivered their Messiah up to be killed, their enemy, the Romans, were sent to surround Jerusalem and destroy the temple and the Jewish nation. So we can see that Messiah started his ministry after the 69 weeks were fulfilled, meaning in the 70th week. We can see that during his multi-year ministry, he fulfilled many prophecies. And this leads us to him being killed in the middle of the seven years of the 70th week, just like Daniel 9.27 declares. The pinnacle of the prophecy is the anointed one, Messiah the Prince, appearing in the 70th week to carry out his multi-year ministry, to confirm the everlasting covenant, which was mentioned in Daniel 9.4, with his blood as the spotless Passover lamb, which paid the price for our sins and ended the need for temple animal sacrifices. I'm going to stop here in the timeline explanation to keep the video short. In the next video, I'll show how the last three and a half years of the 70th week of Daniel 9 were fulfilled and how the stoning of Stephen marked the end of the 70 weeks of Daniel 9 prophecy. If this video helped you, please click on the thumbs up, make a comment, and share it with others. You can print out PDF summaries, request a free PDF copy of the 70th week of Daniel 9 decoded book, or get a printed copy at www.70thweekofdaniel.com. That's all for today. I love y'all. Shalom.